You're listening to Seizure Salad, Fuster Clock Epilepticus, with your test subject, Micah Ball. The salty, slightly cynical account of Micah's shocking diagnosis with epilepsy, the synaptic jolts that short-circuited his world, and efforts to rewire and rebuild his not-so-normal life. But first, he's going to need brain surgery. And now, Seizure Salad, with your host, Micah B. You know who I feel for? The Olympic athletes, now that the Olympics are canceled or postponed, because like they've been training, I don't know, think about Olympics are every four years. So how many of these people, like even if it's only postponed by a year, how do you know somebody else doesn't take your spot by then? You know, I was like, damn, that sucks for, I don't know, it sucks for the Olympic athletes. I really feel for them. I've been competing and, and preparing for the last. Well, and these are people that it's not just the last four years. This is like. I mean, this is the whole lifetime. Life. Usually yeah. whole lifetime of them like really trying to achieve something. How many, how many of know these. You're to know your close Olympics and then to have to train to do that. And you're probably on a very <laughs> strict regimen, you know, like some of those runners and stuff like that. Such a strict regimen to do that for, let's say, three years leading up to it trying to qualify and now, now you have to try to maintain that for a whole fucking year are they gonna okay now that they finally had the because didn't they have their final rosters yes uh, yeah i mean it was coming up my question soon. my question here is because it's canceled do you get to keep that spot or do you have to recompete for that spot and i'd imagine if you have to recompete, do you have to with a select top 10 or top 25, or are you going to open it back up? That's an, I'm, what do you think? I think honestly, I think because it's the, because, you know, as cool as the Olympics are, let's remember like, what's the one thing everybody hates about the Olympics is the IOC, right? The international Olympic committee, everybody knows they're corrupt and they take bribes and everything they do is all about profit, which is fine. They're a company. But they do some shady shit and they, you know, there's a reason not a lot of places put in bids to host the Olympics anymore because IOC demands so much. So based on that, the fact that they want to make this constant income, you know, right? They want to put the best product they can out every four years. Of course, they're going to reopen it and you have to retry to qualify. And also like, you know, like there's pride on the line too, you know, outside of like the IOC wanting the best product out there. But just there's like so much pride on it where, you know, the United States is going to send their best athletes. So is South Korea and every other country in, you know, Canada, Mexico, every other country that sends people to the Olympics, they want to send the best product they can because it's a pride thing. And so, right. so yeah, they're going to reopen it. And at the same time, like not just like if you can or can't do it, but a year opens up time for injuries. You know, how do you know somebody doesn't get, end up getting injured and something like, you know, they're training to, let's say you're on the rowing team and you tear a rotator cuff. Mm-hmm. Now you can't go to the Olympics and this wouldn't have happened if everything had been normal. And obviously it's not, you know, so I just, I feel for them, you know, cause there's some people that what probably about, are going to get screwed. What about, what about that one athlete that didn't make the team because of that one trick she didn't quite land and she had time now to perfect that. And see, and that's the nice thing is like, there's going to be other people that probably get an opportunity for sure. Uh, but it just, you know, it sucks that like there's these people that have worked so hard for it that now it doesn't matter. You know, now that it's like, you know, it's, it's shitty and it fucks and it throws everything off. And so, and plus just 
you know, investment wise, like it's, you know, that's why it's like the whole, you know, entertainment industry, you know, it's like, it's lost billions of dollars and the Olympics is a big part of that, you know? So, and that, that it's a huge thing. It's, it's shitty, but is what it is. You know, what can you do about it? You know, might as well fuck fuck it. You know, might as well just smile, have a beer. Right. Right. You know, I'm an, I'm not definitely not my voiceover and MC work. That's not essential. I'm peripheral. My work is for helping your work grow. Who wants to hire me when they know their work's not going to grow right now, let alone survive through this shit? There's even a question of, am I going to even have some of my clients when we get through this? It affects that chain from the top to the bottom. So... Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, it's, yeah, it's just, this is it. Everybody's going to be hit by it, you know, one way or another. I think every business is hurting, you know, there's not any recession proof industry right now. <laughs> you know, like everybody always says, Oh, I work, have a recession proof job. It's like, it's just proved you don't, you know? <laughs> so yeah, you never know. You never know, dude. You never know. Which but, is, you know, like, you know, like sucks that, you know, I wish I had more money in my savings and stuff like that for times like, this luckily I'll be all right, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it's the other thing is like when people go back to normal, like people are going to be very different, you know, just in the fact that people are probably going to take some time to actually put aside three, four, five months of rent, utilities, bills, just because you know, I don't know, it's a scary world, you know, if everything can just stop like that, it's something, you know, it's like, it's almost uh, all the st- stories of like, uh, uh, the greatest generation after world war two, after the great depression. So many people like their grandparents had all their money in the mattress because they didn't trust the banks, you know, to hold it because of what happened because they didn't have FDIC insurance and all that other crap back then. And so a lot of people lost all their money. It's like the same thing now where it's like, now it's like people, they lost all their money. There's no other income. So, and that's partly, you know, they are less partly on me. I definitely could have a lot more money in savings if I was more disciplined with when I was making the good money. Which, you know, is what it is. Luckily, I got a good amount. Luckily, I'm still able to pay all my bills with my one job. But it's just it's just that where it's just now, it's like I'm really looking back. I'm like, man, you know, there's a lot of nights I went out. I probably should have, you know, did I really need that last drink before I, you know, before I called it a night or whatever. So it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to take people a long time to get comfortable just feeling safe around other people, I think. You know, I think there's a paranoia, but also just comfortable in the fact with their own finances. That's a real, you know, everybody's looking at their checkbook right now going, well, shit. <laughs> well, I think that's going to be the main thing, dude. I think that's going to be the main thing. I believe that people are itching to get back out, hug the people they love, be able to fucking get out to the bars and and get out to the movies, get out to the theaters and the concerts, concerts. And yeah. fuck, I want to see a Red Rock show. And I think everybody's itching for that, you know, on the interpersonal, personal, and the public scale. We just, we're, we're social animals. We, we need each other. It's, people need that interaction. You need to, you know, and it's mm-hmm. stuff like that. And like, I've actually already decided, you know, you mentioned Red Rocks. I already decided, I don't care what the first show is back at Red Rocks. I want to make sure I'm there. I like uh, that idea. You know, because I don't care who it is that's going to play. I really don't. But like that first show back at Red Rocks where people can like let loose, like that show is just going to be a whole different vibe. 
You know, like people are going to be in a mood. I also think people are going to get real stupid. One thing I'm not looking forward to is like, man, when this all lifts up, I was like, I feel bad for, I might make, wait a while before I go back into the bartending game just because like, damn, people are going to act some, people are going to act reckless as well because people are going to be like, oh, well, there's no limits. But that first Red Rock show, I would love to be there for that first one back. Red Rocks is like worldwide known. It's one of the best naturally acoustic oh, yeah, it's, places. It's, no better. it's amazing. Yeah, I grew up there. I'm a little biased. No, I am too, man. I mean, like it's, it's in your backyard. I mean, like when I first started going to shows and stuff, like my first time I went to Red Rocks, I was, you know, I was very young. I was 12. And, and so it's like the first time I went to Red Rocks, I was 12. And like, I didn't appreciate it, you know, because I just didn't know. I just assumed... That's what all concerts are like. But then, you know, now that I'm older and I've traveled, I've done all the festivals, I've done concerts in other states and stuff like that, you realize how unique Red Rocks is as a venue. You know, just everything that comes with it. And same with um, the Gorge in Washington is just, it's absolutely amazing. If you ever get a chance to see a show there, do it. Like, I guess I don't even care if you don't like who's playing, just go to see the Gorge. It's just absolutely the most beautiful setting. Uh, I've heard the same. I unfortunately never saw a show there but i've heard the exact same thing it's just next low it's kind of like it's similar to red rocks you know i want to say one's better than the other you know i think one they're two they're two very unique venues but it doesn't mean they're comparable right you know it's just they both right. offer different experiences so just take it for what it is you don't need to compare it and so but i mean i go going to so many concerts i didn't realize how cool it was to go to red rocks until now that i've done others i'm like i get it you know it's like there's a very different experience you get at red rocks you know you know what would be so cool for like a mystery opening celebration would be like some bands that are super regular like sts9 um god i wish steve miller god rest steve his heart miller, yeah he was oh. annual and then some he loved that place so much i mean there's so many you know, even to do more modern artists, you know, pretty lights. Well, you could do you know, like, his thing. Well, and how crazy would it be, though, to have like, yeah, a samba band come up and play and then have like a total fun, fun rock and roll band and then some bass. Yes, just have Blues Traveler do it. <laughs> that would, there you go. Just have Blues Traveler be the first opening one. You know, like I feel like that's a good Red Rocks vibe right there. <laughs> yep. Yep, they've been there so many times. Mm-hmm. Love their shows. He's so badass. But um, I would actually like STS Nine to be a groovy pick too to go back and open it up. You know what? Those two would those two would actually, I think, kind of meld well together. They would, even though they're pretty unique or, in genres. But oh, wait a minute! Here you go. You know what would be the bonding agent? Yeah, String Cheese Incident. So straight. I'm always down for some cheese, man. <laughs> it melds it together, dude. They'd each yeah. it, they'd each play like you know one song for three hours, but it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I love the cheese. I I didn't realize how cool the cheese were until so like so Electric Forest. I've gone to that one. It's a music mm-hmm. festival in Michigan. They do, and it's like it's dope. It's just total you know hippie vibes and like string cheese incident plays, you know, they used to play like eight sets a year. Now that they're older, like now they do like, you know, like they still, but they do, they do basically a set like two or three sets in four days. And they always have like the Saturday, that Saturday night's a big one. They have the fireworks going, but uh, what was, I think it was 2017. 
2017 or 2018, but they played, you know, their song Rosie. And I was literally, they just played a different rendition of it for like two hours, but it was the best thing ever. I didn't even care that it was the same song. Just, everything was just doing different solos. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was like a Guinness world book world record. They went through to play the same song for like that long and shit like that. But it was unreal. It was, I don't know, like say what you will about jam bands. Next thing you know, it's two hours later and you're wondering where the fuck the time has gone because it was just a vibe. Oh man, I used to go see string cheese with my buddies in Boulder at keg parties, pay a $5 cover fee to help pay for the beer. (laughs) Band got a cut and yeah, that's how old I am. That's how old it shows. <laughs> That's how old I am. Yeah. Seizure Salad Fuster Clock Epilepticus is produced and hosted by Michael Ball. Follow our podcast, like our Facebook page, whatever floats your boat. Just keep listening. Until then, remember that it's all in your head. <laughs>